Hello, my friends, and welcome to Numa. I'm your host, Daniel Finnerin, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join me today. On this channel, which I urge you to subscribe to, follow, and share with friends, it's my goal to provide you with original and thoughtful content. I want, above all, to share with you ideas and insights by which your mind will be stimulated, your anxiety and uneasiness allayed, your well-being promoted, and, most importantly, your playlist diversified. <laughs> Some episodes, as you know, are physical. They'll lead you through simple exercises to relieve the tension in your shoulders, back, or neck. Or they'll teach you how to breathe. Others are soothing and soporific, and are intended to guide you to sleep. When the interminable hour or two of counting sheep fails to do the trick. Still others are meditations on the big ideas that the greatest thinkers, the most luminous minds of our species, have bequeathed to us. This episode, which asks whether or not happiness, true happiness, is attainable in this life, falls under the domain of the last of the three. It is a meditation on a great idea, perhaps the greatest idea, with which every human being is and forever will be concerned. Is happiness attainable in this life? It's understood in philosophy, as in life, that there is a final end toward which we're all naturally inclined, a highest purpose, an ultimate good, so to speak, beyond which we seek nothing further, and by which we're enlivened, animated, and led to act. Deep in the depths of our soul, the impulse to realize and obtain this highest, most supreme end is firmly anchored and embedded. In Latin, this is called the summum bonum, the ultimate good. Think of the English words, sum, summation, or consummation, all of which refer to a thing's completeness or its totality. They derive from the Latin word summum, meaning highest. Next, think of the French and Spanish greetings, bonjour and buenos dias both of which borrow their warmth from the Latin bonum, which means good. 
tell me, as it pertains to your own life, what do you regard to be the ultimate good? What to you is the summum bonum? Is it wealth, riches, prestige, honor, glory, power? Is it driving a luxury vehicle? Is it living in an opulent home? Is it belonging to an exclusive club? Is it accumulating a monetizable number of YouTube subscribers? Is it gaining an impressive number of Instagram followers? Without my saying so, you can probably guess that these things contribute little to the ultimate good. According to Aristotle, the great philosopher of ancient Greece, by whom this theme was not first, but most ingeniously treated, the summum bonum is happiness. Every human being longs for, strives after, and stops at nothing to obtain happiness. But doesn't wealth result in happiness? And honor, does that not also produce happiness? Power, glory, prestige, a new Mercedes-Benz SUV, a Louis Vuitton bag, a Rolex watch. Do these achievements and objects not confer happiness upon their lucky owner? Aristotle would claim that they do not. They might be pleasures of a more or less sensuous kind, but they are not true happiness, properly understood. You see, they are not goods in and of themselves. They are deficient in some important way. They are, from the first to the last, goods in the service of something higher. They cannot be, for that reason, the summum bonum, the ultimate good. Take money, for instance. Not my money. Take your own, or that of a charitable partner. Tell me. Is money a good in and of itself? Is it the fulfillment of your life's purpose? Is it the source of your everlasting joy? Or is it merely a means to an end? Is it not merely the mode of exchange to which we in society have all agreed, and by which, after a bit of shopping in the marketplace and bargaining at the counter, you can come into ownership of a more desirable thing. Money is valuable insofar as it can purchase something else. It's but the first step toward the higher satisfaction after which you crave. Therefore, it cannot be held as the supreme good. 
if not money. What, then, is happiness? Ah, now there is a question to which man, despite all his thousands of years of contemplation and his vast treasury of received wisdom, may never have a universally satisfying answer. What is happiness? From Aristotle, we now turn to Thomas Aquinas, the saintly, portly Italian theologian who dominated the intellectual scene of Europe toward the close of the 13th century, and in some ways ever since. A short-lived and wide-wasted man, Aquinas is one of the great geniuses ever to have lived. A devout pupil of Aristotle, despite their 1,500 years of separation, Aquinas identified happiness as the contemplation of God. The contemplation of the divine essence. The contemplation of that which is in every way perfect and supreme. That, to Aquinas, is happiness. To review, the summum bonum, the ultimate good, is happiness, and happiness is the contemplation of God. I apologize if this layout offends secular sensibilities, but I think Aquinas is too profound a thinker to be cloistered in Sunday school classrooms where his genius, obscured behind stained glass windows, might fail to penetrate the minds and enlighten the morals of those who need him most. With that, we have Aquinas's definition of happiness, the contemplation of God. Our next question is, can anyone be happy in this life? Can we contemplate such an overpowering idea? To address this difficult and engrossing question, upon which not only our present well-being but our future felicity hinge, we turn to Article 3 of Question 5 of Aquinas's Summa Theologiae. There, we are confronted with that daunting question. Can anyone be happy in this life? Well, can anyone be happy in this life? What about you, my dear friend and devoted listener? Can you be happy in this life? I don't mean to ask if you can be momentarily happy. Happy in the enjoyment of a fleeting passion, in the indulgence of a short-lived bodily pleasure. No sooner do these feeble, transitory sources of happiness arrive than they expire like a shadow overcome by the creeping darkness of the night. They make their appearance and are seen no more. Their flame is extinguished upon its being lit. 
Their candle is transformed into a wisp of fading smoke. No. My question to you is, is true happiness attainable in this life? Is it even possible? Of all the large and formidable questions with which Aquinas deals, on which he expounds and lectures in the measured tone of a timeless teacher, this one might be among the most arresting. Is happiness attainable in this life? Can you taste, while still alive, the unadulterated sweetness of pure well-being? Can you achieve eudaimonia, the good life, the end toward which we orient all our endeavors, the high summit toward which, while our heart still beats in our chest and our soul still animates our body, we, as a species, will forever collectively climb If so, we can rekindle the fragile flame of hope, the hope that we might yet experience bliss. We might reignite the inextinguishable promise that this world might be better than that which we've previously known, or that by which we've been made to suffer. Of course, by the mere knowledge of the possibility of its attainment in this life, we're brought no closer to its real possession. We're only assured that it can be possessed. To its ultimate possession, however, we're brought no closer. If not, well... Let us begin to despair. Let us invite the despondency of a life incapable of bliss. Let us, in our solemn moments of existential reflection, look forward to a world beyond this, a world in which some happiness may be felt and known. All right, that's quite enough from me. What has Aquinas to say about this issue? Characteristic of his stiffly scholastic, crisply logical style, Aquinas proceeds to answer this question by offering three tentative responses. First, he says, It seems that he can. That's to say, it seems that you can be happy in this life. Precisely the word of encouragement for which our sagging hearts were yearning. To prove the proposition, about which, it should be said, Aquinas betrays more than a little hesitancy. He cites the authority of the Bible. According to the Psalms, Blessed are they whose way is undefiled, who walk in the law of the Lord. This walking, he contends, occurs in this life. Therefore, someone can be happy in this life. 
In this life, he goes on, men can participate in the greatest good by knowing and loving God, although imperfectly. Therefore, a man can be happy in this life. And, finally, many people posit happiness in this life, as is evident from Psalm 143. Blessed the people that have such things. Blessed the people whose God is the Lord. An auspicious response. Until now, Aquinas pivots and presents his said contra, the counter or contrary statement by which the foregoing is refuted. Citing the book of Job, Aquinas says, Man, born of a woman, living for a short time, is filled with many miseries. Therefore, he concludes, a man cannot be happy in this life. With that, a resolution to the question is needed. It's been proven by the infallible authority of the Bible, no less, that happiness both is and is not attainable in this life. On this question, the Psalms are more sanguine, and Job characteristically less so. It appears to be the case that the sacred scripture has us tangled up in a knot. By whom will it be undone? In what way might we cut through the mass of confusion and gaze upon the light of truth? Upon these contending arguments, the conclusive argument follows. It should be said that some participation in happiness can be had in this life, but perfect and true happiness cannot. Aha! There it is, an answer by which we might yet sustain ourselves in this life undismayed. As it happens, some amount of happiness is attainable in this life, but neither a perfect nor a true happiness. For our merely human enjoyment, an imperfect and incomplete happiness is reserved. It is, I think, a partial victory for the temporal, terrestrial contentment of man. But why does Aquinas answer in this way? In his opinion, it's important for us to understand the common notion of happiness and, once properly understood, to appreciate how it differs from the truer, fuller notion about which he and the author of uh, the book of Job speak. Would you like to know the true notion of happiness of which 
according to Aquinas, the common notion falls short. Here it is. Happiness, being a perfect and sufficient good, excludes all evil and fulfills every desire. True happiness must meet these two criteria. First, it must exclude all evil, and then it must fulfill every desire. But, as he explains, in this life, evil cannot be eliminated, for the present life is subject to many ills that cannot be avoided. For example, ignorance on the part of the intellect and inordinate affection on the part of the will, and many punishments on the part of the body. Evil in this life is inescapable. To you, my cherished listener, this doubtless comes as no surprise. Evil hides and lurks behind every corner. It springs upon us when we least expect it. Happiness, true happiness, excludes all evil. Because we cannot escape evil, we cannot be truly happy. What about the fulfillment of our desire? Happiness fulfills every desire. If we can't be without evil and sin, can we at least have our desires fulfilled? It appears that we cannot. According to Aquinas, the desire for the good cannot be satisfied in this life. For man naturally desires permanence of the good he has. But the goods of the present life are transitory, and the life itself, which we naturally desire, passes away. Yet we naturally desire it to be perpetual, since we naturally shun death. There you have it. The impermanence of this life excludes us from a true knowledge of happiness. Happiness is a thing that's perfect, everlasting, and unchanging. Life, as you well know, is just the opposite. Flawed, brief, and mutable. Hence, Aquinas concludes... It is impossible that true happiness be had in this life. He then adds to this conclusion a religious note. If we consider that in which happiness especially consists, namely the vision of the divine essence, which cannot be had by man in this life, then it is apparent that one cannot attain 
true and perfect happiness in this life. The best that we can hope for in this life is an imperfect happiness, one not too far off from a more perfect type. There you have it. Happiness, true happiness, is not attainable in this life. An imperfect, partial kind of happiness might be, which you should definitely pursue. But for the attainment of the genuine article, the summum bonum, the ultimate and unsurpassable good, one must await another life to come. One must wait for her reunion with God and heaven, that lofty empyrean for which we all so desperately long. The good news, then, is that happiness is attainable. You need only be patient, virtuous, charitable, grateful, and godly, and in a life subsequent to and higher than that in which you presently reside. It will be yours. I know, I know. This episode was a bit theological, a bit philosophical, and, perhaps for those reasons, completely tedious, academic, and incomprehensible. If that is the case, I do apologize. These writings on happiness by Aristotle and Aquinas just felt too important and compelling to go unaddressed. And with that, they've been duly addressed. If you found this discussion about happiness enlightening, profound, meditative, or just soothing, please send me a note. Send me a message. My email is numa, P-N-E-U-M-A, dot finnerin, F-I-N-N-E-R-A-N, at gmail.com. If you like this content, how could you not consider subscribing to or following this channel. Leave a five-star rating on it. You can also check out my sister channel, Finnerin's Wake, on which I recently interviewed Hector Roos, a candidate who wishes to become Florida's next governor. I have no sponsors. I have no employers. No one to whom I'm answerable. Save you. This channel generates no revenue and enlarges my wealth not a bit. I run it simply for the diffusion of great ideas, for the nourishment of hungry souls. 
I want to help guide you through difficult times to offer equanimity when everything feels as though it were thrown into a state of jarring unrest, and to promote, if possible, a better, healthier, happier way of living. I hope, in some small way, to have contributed to that end. With that, I wish you farewell from Numa.